The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Psalm 63 in verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your glory, your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths, into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. This is the word of the Lord. And I pray you receive it as such. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you with great desperation today. I I want the cry of David's heart in this psalm to be the cry of our hearts. May we seek you with all of our hearts this morning. And I thank you, Lord, today that, that you're not a God that's removed from us, but you are a God who is near. That we can experience even today your presence and your word says that in your presence there is fullness of joy so help us today to to not just learn about you oh let us learn more about you but father let it move that knowledge from our head to our heart and father maybe we be then compelled to praise you to worship you may we feel your presence maybe be saturated with your presence today and no matter what kind of season of life we're in right now. I pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged, that we would cling to you as the psalmist says he clings to you. And we thank you for your word. We love it. Help us to hear what the Spirit would say today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let me ask you this. Do you find it difficult to be consistent in your prayer life? Anybody? You're in good company. That's something that all of us seem to struggle with. Today marks the beginning of our annual Daniel fast and the start of a new series on the subject of prayer. Jesus said that my house shall be a house of prayer, but that is something prayer is that many of us struggle with. Now in the 63rd Psalm, The superscription tells us that David is in the wilderness of Judah. Because David is already king, it is likely that this is 
probably written during the time when David's son Absalom rebels, attempting to overthrow his throne. This is a time when David's flesh faints for the Lord, in which he doesn't feel the nearness of God's presence. Have you ever been there? Where you haven't felt the nearness of the presence of God But in this psalm, what David does is he thinks back to a time when he indeed dealt the nearness of the Lord. Here's what I realize when I read through this psalm. David, like us, goes through times of feasting on God's presence when he feels that God is near. And then he goes through seasons of fainting when he feels like God is distant. But here's what I love about David, that both in times of fainting and in times of feasting, David savors the Lord. He worships God. Amen? And as believers, here's what I know. We all go through times where we feel the nearness of God, where we enjoy the presence of the Lord. But then every one of us have these, what I like to call wilderness situations where God may seem more distant. Have you been there? And in both seasons, on the mountaintop and in the valley, how many know we need to learn to savor God, to trust God, to be consistent in our walk with the Lord? In the dry seasons, we need to learn to continue to walk by faith. Amen. So as we look deeper into Psalm 63, my hope is this, that our affections for Jesus will be raised, that we will learn to savor him in every season of life. And here's what this has to do with prayer. As we savor God consistently uh, through the good, bad, and ugly seasons of life, I hope that we will be moved to prayer continually, no matter what we're experiencing in our circumstances. We ought to be a people of, of prayer. Amen. Prayer warriors when times are good. Prayer warriors when times are bad. Amen. So I want to begin here if you're taking notes by looking at David's foundation. What is it that grounds David in this tough, tough season of his life? I'll tell you what it is. It is his personal relationship with Jesus or with God. Amen. It, it is David's personal relationship with God. And that is what grounds us. Our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now on the other side of the cross than David was. It is our relationship with God. Amen. I want to point you to verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. This past week, my family, uh, along with a few others from real life, had the opportunity, as many of you know, to, to go to Greeley, Colorado, to attend our former associate pastor, Chris Morris's weddings. And he, wedding, he didn't get married twice. And uh, he sends his greetings to you, by the way. But uh, many of you know that I lived in Greeley, Colorado for about six years. And over our tenure there at First Assembly, we built many deep and meaningful relationships. So for the past three years, being back in the bluegrass, Nikki and I have kept up with these friends of ours over social media. 
We still know a lot about their lives as we've kind of watched them from a distance. But when we connected with them over this past week, we were reminded of something. That there is a big difference in being in the room with somebody face to face, being able to hug their necks and, and to just enjoy a face to face conversation. There's a big difference in that and learning about them from a distance. Are you with me? Do you know that God wants us to know him in that personal way? He does not just want us to know about Him and have all these facts about Him and and read about how He's moved in the past. Oh, He wants us to know about Him. He wants us to learn about Him. But that knowledge, with that, He invites us to draw near to Him and to know Him in a personal and an intimate way. What an invitation. What an invitation. This is how David knows the Lord. Psalm 34, what's it say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Our God, here's what I want you to know. Our God is a God who is near. He's not an impersonal force. He is a God that bids us to come to Him. Folks, here's the great news. This nearness to God, this invitation, this Christian experience, it's not just for the king. It's not just for the prophet. It's not just for the high priest. It's not just for the pastor or the spiritual leader. This nearness to God, it's not just for the, the, the pastor, the high priest, the king, the prophet. Who's it for? It's for all of us who are in Christ. Isn't that good news? There are people who who will call upon me, Pastor, I I need you to pray. I need you to pray. And listen, I'm happy to agree in prayer with you. But you know what? I am so thrilled to tell you some great news this morning. That if you are in Christ, you yourself can go boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly into the presence of God. And you have an ear with the King. Amen? We have a God that welcomes you into his presence. First Peter 3.18, I love this. For Christ also died for sins once for all. The just for the unjust in order that he might what? Bring us to God. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Hebrews 7.25. He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, through Christ. Since He always lives to make intercession for them. What is it that undergirds our prayer life? What is it that helps us to walk consistently in the ways of the Lord? It is simply our relationship with God through Christ. See, this faith is more than a knowledge of God. The demons have a knowledge of God. It's deeper than that, amen? It's a relationship with Him. Essentially, Christianity, what's it about? It's about knowing God. Jesus said, remember in Matthew, he said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. But he'll say, turn from me, doer of iniquity. I never knew you. 
Because it's possible to be in church every week. It's possible to even read your Bible. It's possible to sing worship songs and know a lot about God. But it's a whole different thing to know Him like David knows Him. To know Him, to have personal fellowship with Him. So because of David's relationship with God, we find that he worships and savors God both now in times of fainting where he feels the Lord is miles away and times of feasting when he senses the Lord is near. God is his satisfaction continually. So I want to look here. We've looked at the foundation. Let's look secondly at David's fainting. Look at verse 1 again. Oh God, you're my God. Remember David's in a tough situation, tough season here. And here's what he does. Here's where he turns. He says, earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. There it is. As in dry and weary land where there is no water. Listen, just because we have a personal relationship with God does not mean that we will always automatically feel those uh, kind of the Holy Ghost goosebumps and, you know, the presence of God. There are times in each of our lives when we feel that the Lord is distant. He's not distant. The Bible promises he won't abandon us. He's not distant, but we don't always feel, if you will, his presence. And we go through situations we think, does God really know what's going on right now? What do we do in those seasons? Well, we go back to that foundation, that personal relationship with him in faith. And instead of running away from God, instead of doubting, instead of being bitter, we run boldly, amen, to him. Listen, if you're in a tough season of life right now, you have two options. You can get bitter at God and you can run from him. I don't recommend that. What he wants you to do is run to him and allow his comforting embrace to change you, to help you, to comfort you. This is what David does earnestly in the first, second part of the first verse. He says, earnestly, I seek you. See, in this frustrating situation, David seeks the Lord. God wants us, friends, to draw near to him and he will draw near to us. You know, it's interesting. Have you ever watched children when they're frightened? They don't wait for a parent to run to them. They will search you out and they, mom or dad, will run to you. And they will leap in your arms. Where do you run to in tough seasons? See, we have people going through difficult situations all over Richmond, all over the world. And many of them in in our city, we know where they're running. They're running to the needle or to the the pill bottle or to to, to the drink, whatever it might be. Something to kind of ease the pain. There's a problem with that, though. Because that dismasks the situation. And that's only a temporary relief. And then the consequences of that relief bring on many more trials and tribulations. But we have a safe place as believers in the arms of God. Are you with me? So we need to run to Him. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who draws near to God, watch this, must believe that He exists and that He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. 
If you and I are going to experience the presence, this nearness to God, number one, obviously we've got to believe He exists. It's not, well, I'm just going to try this out. And... No, we've got to believe that God exists. We've got to go to Him in faith. And when we do, we've got to believe that, you know what? As I draw near to God, He's a rewarder of those who seek Him diligently. And I know He's going to draw near to me. So how practically does David seek God in this season? Number one, we should follow, uh, we should do as well. Here, here it is. He remembers God's faithfulness in the past. When you are in troubled times and you're wondering, is God going to be able to handle this situation? Friends, you and I, what do we need to do? We need to think back to his faithfulness in the past. Verse 2, and we're going to come back to this verse in a moment. He says, so I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your glory. What's he doing? David's thinking back to his experiences with God in the past, where he seems to have been melted by the presence of God. Have you ever experienced that? Where you've been somewhere and you've just, you've just been melted by the reality of God's presence. David, in this tough season, is thinking back to that. See, the enemy would love for us to doubt in God in, in dark times. If you're in a dark season of life right now, the enemy would love for you to begin to doubt the goodness or faithfulness of God. But we need to go back to the promises of God. We need to go back to the faithfulness of God where he's moved in the past. Amen? And realize, listen, he's never let me fall before He's going to pick me up this time. He's going to hold me up this time. Verse 6, he says, When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. David is having a tough time sleeping. He's on guard at this point in his life. He, he doesn't know who, you know, where somebody is going to come from to try and take his life. But he's not sitting there belly aching. He's not just thinking about random things. What's he thinking about? He's meditating on God, meditating on the goodness of God. In verse 7, he says, for you have been my help. That's not a news bulletin for God. God knows he's been the help. David is, as he's praying in his bed, he is reminding himself, oh, God has been my help in the past, and I know he's going to be my help today. He says, in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. So David remembers the faithfulness of God. Now listen, he doesn't stop there. This is incredible. Don't miss this. That remembrance moves him on to something else. You know what it is? Remember, his son right now is trying to overthrow the throne. I mean, this is, this is Jerry Springer stuff right here, all right? So, so this, this is messed up. David is trying to follow the Lord, but this is a rough situation. But he does something. He remembers God's faithfulness, and then he just begins to praise Him. When you are in a dark or tough season in your life, there is power if you will stop belly aching and complaining, and you will just lift your hands and praise Him anyways. Amen? Look at verse 3. He says, your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I'll lift up my hands. 
He doesn't say, well, I'll wait till you fix it, God, till you get me comfortable again. No, he says, hey, listen, I'm going to lift my hands right now and praise you. David considers, here's what he's doing. He considers the supreme value of God and his love. He begins to think, well, my situation looks bleak, but God still loves me. Even though I might feel distant from the Lord, David begins to remember the steadfast love of God that we talked about even at the beginning of service today. It's a reminder that God hasn't stopped loving me. God hasn't forgotten me. And he says, your love is better than life. Here's what he's saying. If my life ends here, I have still nothing to complain about. If it costs me everything, this situation, I still come out ahead because I know in whom I have believed. Because God's love is better, friends, than life itself. Isn't this the echo of Paul? You probably know where I'm going In the New Testament, when he declares to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, this understanding of God's love, what's it do? It overflows into praise. We've got to stop what many call that stinking thinking. Amen? We've got to think on the goodness of God. There's always something negative in our life. There's always something that we could think negatively about. And the enemy who is out to kill, to steal, and destroy would love it if we would meditate on those things. He loves it in the church. You can like 99 things about a church and the enemy wants you to focus on the one thing you don't. We tend to be a negative people, don't we? But we need to stop belly aching and we need to start start praising. Amen. You want to draw near to God in the tough season? You want to feel His presence? Just begin to think about his love. We're so undeserving of it. The one who's given his life for us. What do we have to be sad about? I'm not saying that we have to be chipper all the time. Yes, life hurts. But you and I need to ground ourselves in the love and the promises of God. And rise above those negative feelings and just begin to praise him. Anybody can praise God on the mountaintop. We have a lot of fair weather Christians, don't we, in the world today? But I'm telling you, it's powerful if you praise Him in the valley. This is what Paul and Silas did, isn't it? Acts chapter 16. Beaten, stripped, thrown into the innermost prison cell. They're innocent men. Not ultimately. They have sinned, but... You know what they're arrested for? They cast a demon out of a girl. That sounds like a pretty cool thing to me. But they're beaten. I I mean, you talk about, would you question God and that, Lord, I just cast a demon out. Why am I being thrown into prison? But they don't bellyache. The Bible says at the midnight hour, where they're in pain and they've been tormented. What do they do? What would we do? We'd bellyache. Woe is me. We get a hang now and we act like that, right? What's he do? Paul and Silas at the midnight hour, they began to to, to sing and to pray. Consistent. See this? Consistent in their spiritual walk. In the good, the bad, the ugly. They're praying. They're singing. And what happens? As they begin to praise God, it's not just their cell that's changed, but the whole prison gets loose. 
I want you to know, uh, and this is kind of a rabbit trail, but I, I just feel uh, an, uh, an unction to say this today. You being here, it's not just about you. When you decide in the midst of a really uh, tough situation to lift your hands and to praise the Lord anyways, it's not just going to affect you, but it might affect the people all around you. All of a sudden, chains begin to break off all over this place. I dare somebody to praise Him in the midst of the storm, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of tribulation. Just, just think about His steadfast love and begin to open up your mouth and praise the Lord. We live in a world that is Especially a country that is wrought with anxiety. Xanax is like M&M's now. Amen. But the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6. To be anxious for nothing. But in everything. By what? By prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Again, Paul writing from prison saying this. Let your requests be made known to God. Let's be a people of prayer, not a people that are anxious and worried all the time. We serve an awesome God. When you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you and I, we have no reason to be anxious in difficult situations. God, even in what we would call a bad situation, God is using it for our good and his glory. So if you think about this, it's going to free somebody this morning. Nothing bad, if you're in Christ, can really happen to you. It may look bad to the human eye. It may feel bad for a moment. But I want you to know that God has a plan. And He works together for our good. Those who love God are called according to His purpose. He's working those things together for our good. Our good. You may not understand it, but eventually you will. It will all make sense. David has experienced several seasons of what we call fainting or these wilderness experiences. But I want you to know, and I'm thankful for this. There are times of feasting on God's presence when God was near in his life as well. And we all need those times. Aren't you glad it's not all wilderness experiences? Has anybody had any good times in the Lord's over your lifetime? Let's talk about finally his feasting. Let's go back to verse 2. I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your glory. For you've been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. What's he doing? David, in the season of fainting, is thinking back to the season of feasting. When he felt the nearness of God. And he's looking ahead with great anticipation. Oh, Lord, I want to feel your presence again. Is anybody hungry for the presence of God? He says in verse 5, my soul will be satisfied. As with rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Think about that. As we begin our Daniel fast. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. Here's, here's our hope through this fast. That you will be so satisfied in God. That you won't even miss the foods that you're turning away. David describes what this season of feasting is like. It's like enjoying the fat and richest of foods. Friends, listen, I want you to know that God is meant to be enjoyed. We're not supposed to be a downtrodden, heavy laden people. 
Always with the burden. We, we need a burden to pray. But we are to be a people of joy. A people filled with His Spirit. God wants us to experience His presence. Take advantage of Him. Draw near to God as He draws near to you. Eat of the blessing of His presence. Taste and see, oh, the Lord is good. I, I want to give you this quote. This is from just a 19th century preacher. This isn't that old. Charles Spurgeon. This is what he says. He says, some of us know at times, he's talking about Christians, some of us know at times what it is to be almost too happy to live. The love of God has been so overpoweringly experienced by some of us on some occasions that we've almost had to ask for a stop of the delight. Think about that. He's saying, we've been so overwhelmed at times by the Lord that we've, it's been almost too much to handle. That if the Lord would not have stopped pouring out His presence, it would have been too much. We would have died, he says here, of happiness. He says, if the glory had not been veiled a little, we would have died of happiness. Now think about that. Does that sound like the same religion that we're in? Do you hear that and go, is that the same faith that that we possess God has not changed we've changed we don't wait on the Lord like we used to we don't seek the Lord like we used to you know talking with our worship leader just before service you know why we're not interested in feasting on the Lord because we're full of trivial things in this life We're comfortable. What need do we have? That's why I'm thankful for wilderness experiences. Because they remind us, oh, actually, we do need a lot more than what we have in material possessions. It's different when you go to different countries. If you ever go on a missions trip or whatever, it's different. It's different. There's a hunger there that's that's not here by and large. Because the people have nothing else. So they're not stuffed on worldly things. And I'm not saying that we can't enjoy anything in this world. Yeah, we can. But we're gluttons when it comes to those things. We're full of frivolous things that don't amount in the end to a hill of beans. And we have no room in our lives for God. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.